Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Susanna, and welcome to the Codeco podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here's the show. This is Codeco podcast. This episode was recorded on Sunday, the 19th of November, 2023. I am this episode's co-host, Jennifer Bailey, with our newly reblued leader and awesome host, Drew Freeman. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Today, we'll be talking with Mina Gerges, originally a biomedical engineer specializing in cochlear implants. Mina transitioned into the world of iOS development, building five years of experience across diverse sectors, including telecommunications, e-commerce, and is currently serving as a senior iOS developer at Kazon. We're also joined by a special guest from outside our Codeca world, Dan Elis. Dan is a mobile software engineer with more than eight years of experience in building native apps for both iOS and Android. He took the classic route, graduating computer science first of his class, and now he's the head of mobile development at Wolfpack Digital, which is a software company in Romania, where he comes from. Welcome to the show, guys. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. Great to be here. I'd love to know where you're each coming from like where you're each based in the world currently i'm in egypt oh wow where are you in egypt i'm in giza oh okay it's my hometown and i'm working uh, studying and um, uh, living in here oh that's amazing and you have and you are a dad and you have kids too yeah yeah i have uh, twin sons how old are your kids four years now oh, oh. twins that that's a handful so it's gonna be i i four-year-old twins that's gonna be so great and dan how about you where are you based so i'm living in romania in cluj napoca which is the second largest city in in our country oh wow okay fantastic so today we're going to be talking about ai which is continuing to grow like wildfire and putting it to use in software development so let me start with you dan how did you come in contact with AI? So first of all, uh, last year around this time, everybody was very hyped about the new launch of ChatGPT. And I slowly um, started to look at it myself and try it for different things like um, generating ideas or trying to ask, ask it questions about code and technical questions. And I explored it from there. And then I got into, um, other tools that could generate images. And, uh, that's how it started. Mina, how about you? Uh, I remember two years ago when I joined Codeco, I was searching about a tool to help me, uh, bar phrasing, um, my articles and do some scripting. Um, that's when I uh, get introduced by Quailbot. Uh, later on, I um, knew that Quailbot depends on AI to uh, make the paraphrasing and other scripting uh, things that uh, it's doing. Uh, that's um, how I engage with AI first. Uh, later on, um, as Dan said, when ChatGPT and other AI tools emerged in uh, development, I started exploring things. Um, especially that I believe in what called a support system, uh, where I have uh, like a resource list of uh, tools and other websites, apps that helped me during my development. I really hope that we can 
share enough tool ideas and names of tools and how we're using them that our listeners can build that support system because that's that's so essential and helpful. So while we're doing this exploration, Mina, what, what tech stacks do you work on? What what um, platforms, et cetera, have you been doing code for? Uh, during my um, uh, IS de during my development, I only develop for IS development mostly uh, on um, like scattered uh, projects. I uh, do some uh, Flutter, I do some um, other uh, development uh, language, but mostly I uh, focused on IS development. And Dan, how about you? Oh, I started um, actually as a backend engineer. Um, after like in my last year of college but after graduating i moved to a different company uh, and started as an ios developer i've done that for uh, two and a half years and then uh, i got curious about android and wanted to learn it as well so uh, i worked in that company on a couple of projects on native android and uh, when, when i started with ios it was already swift 2.0 so i didn't catch a lot of Objective-C. Uh, but since then, mostly native iOS and Android. And I also worked on a couple of projects with Flutter, but not as much as with the native tech technologies. Drew, you're laughing the laugh of somebody who suffered years of Objective-C. I, I suffered the years <laughs> of Objective-C. I suffered the uh, the hell that was Swift 2 to 3. I mean, it's, it's oh, growing yeah. pains. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who went from yeah. Swift 2 this with three remembers that with anything but fondness. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I think now is a much easier time to start learning, um, both because of changes in Swift and with Swift UI. And we'll, I hope we'll delve into how AI tools help you learn and maybe some ways that they aren't the greatest for learners. Have you found that, that the iOS um, plugin, I mean, how have you used iOS? or Android in, in your AI discovery and work? Uh, Mina, let's start with you. Um, as we said, it started with ChatGPT. Uh, First, um, I started asking ChatGPT uh, about uh, how to do a certain uh, functions or how to, do, uh, how to fix a bug that I face in my code, the same way that uh, previously we searched uh, in the Stack Overflow, for example. Mm -hmm. um, later on, uh, other tools uh, come um, in, like uh, uh, GitHub Copilot. Uh, now uh, we have open source um, uh, projects that can integrate it directly to Xcode. Um, so currently we have different ways to uh, deal with AI in Xcode and in IS development in general. So are you, I want to tear that apart a little more, okay? so. Do you use like Visual Studio when you're programming for iOS at all, or do you only use Xcode? Because you can't run GitHub Copilot in Xcode. So talk yes. to me about what you're doing with Copilot, given that we need to work in Xcode. We have here two solutions. Uh, one solution is to use Visual Studio Code in parallel while using Xcode. You can open the same project at both programs. Uh, then uh, you get your suggestion on Visual Studio Code and you save the file, then it reflects to Xcode. This is one way to use it. The other way is that um, the project, the open source project that I talked about, uh, I think it's called um, um, something like uh, um, 
I don't, I don't remember exactly the name of uh, that open source, but it... Uh, we'll look it up and we'll get in the show notes. Yeah. It, um, it's uh, uh, an extension that you can uh, install it and uh, it um, appears as uh, part of the menu inside Xcode. Uh, the drawback is that it's a bit slower than uh, AI and auto-completion in uh, Visual Studio Code, but it, um, it's kind of helpful too. Okay. So what are you using personally when you're working? Like if you're, are, do you use, are you allowed to use either of those when you're working on work stuff? Like for, is it Casion? Yes, uh, I can use whatever tool uh, to help me in uh, posting uh, my productive, my productivity. Uh, so uh, mostly between the two ways, I uh, prefer Visual Studio Code. Um, it's a bit faster and um, I like having two screens working uh, side by side. So I don't, uh, um, uh, I don't uh, bother having two screens and having two programs running at the same time and working between uh, both of them. Okay. Thank you for bringing up the uh, the issue of uh, is work allowing it? Because I know a lot of companies are actually saying right now, because of the fact that the chat GPT consumes what's written into it and will use it to regurgitate back out again, that a lot of companies are like, well, please don't use it because we've got proprietary code. Um, and we don't want that to become part of the code that is output when somebody asks a question. Last thing we want is, you know, show me what is being produced, you know, show me what's being input by engineers at this company. Big problem there. I was going to say, so my son works for a large tech employer and they initially said, I mean, initially they didn't say anything because at first it was a free for all. And then they were like, oh, guys, no, don't be feeding parts of our code base into ChatGPT. Mm or co-pilot. Um, and now they're starting to look at, you know, you can get something that is internal to your company. Like, so you could implement, for example, mm-hmm. Amazon's Code Whisperer, and that can be just internal in inside your own company. And mm-hmm. that, so they're starting to allow, you know, like here, we're, let's consider this. And so, so sort of like Jira and- Cloud, Jira Server. Dan, how about you? Um, you've, you've done a lot of... Uh, platform work how is how has the ai interacted with mm-hmm. that so similar to mina i i started to explore it when uh, when it became available to the public i started with ChatGPT as a tool to help me in my work and um, i kind of saw it like another tool just like we have swift lint or tools for continuous integration and delivery so this is maybe another tool that we can use and uh over time, I noticed um, what's what's it good at and what's uh, with what's not so helpful. So, for example, uh, I found it really helpful when uh, I needed to map maybe a response from the server, from JSON to mm. structures in code, and then I can just give it the JSON model and it will write a Swift structure for me, uh, which is not, you don't need a lot of thinking to do that. It's just like writing code. So that's uh, one scenario where it's really helpful. And also like converting between different data models and um, maybe giving you some specific UI elements. Maybe you need a shadow to a card or uh, things like that. And are you doing similar to what Mina's doing where you've got like 
Visual Studio Code and Xcode up together and have the same file open. And then that's fascinating to me. Like this is, I already feel like I've got so much value in this episode. No, not yet. I was planning to try that with GitHub Copilot. Um, I'm just using the basic interface of ChatGPT and uh, that's it, Uh, of course, uh, besides Xcode. Uh, Another interesting thing on Android is that you can, you have in the latest version of Android Studio, you have the Bard Assistant integrated in Android Studio, so it's easier to use. Oh, interesting. Jen, have you tried that yet? The Bard Assistant in Android development? Only a little bit. So I'd like to experiment with it a lot more. And that was one question I had for our panel too. How do you feel Bard compares against ChatGPT or Copilot? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, Dan, you want to take that one? Yeah, uh, actually, I wasn't. I didn't experiment with Bard that much because um, my late the latest projects that I work on, I worked on were on uh, iOS not on Android. So I just tried it with my team on a few different scenarios and I couldn't see actually a meaningful difference between them. Wow. Mina, how about you? Do you, uh, do, you do any of the, the Android work? Uh, unfortunately, I, um, I use ChatGPT more than Bard. Um, and I think we have uh, another player uh, nowadays. It's a group. Uh, currently, I'm um, on the waiting list to try it too. It's from XAI. Um, so uh, I think as we are talking right now, uh, there might be another company that uh, exposing another AI tool here and there. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I need to get on the waiting list for that. <laughs> so I haven't tried that either. Yeah. Me too. Just announced November 4th. Okay. Lots of value here, you guys. Yeah, there is uh, an interesting thing concerning Grook. Um, The most interesting thing that I found about it is that um, it uh, it depends on data coming from X platform. Uh, That's why Elon Musk mentioned that it's um, uh, more current uh, data. That's uh, the cutoff age between uh, 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 Grook and ChatGPT. And um, uh, the interesting thing is that after uh, launching Grok, uh, ShadGBT launched uh, ShadGBT 4 Turbo, uh, which uh, uh, a bit more advanced than ShadGBT 4. And uh, it became, um, uh, have a data that has a cutoff edge up to April 2023. I saw that. That was a huge leap forward because wasn't it September 21 before that, I think? Exactly, September 2022. Uh, that's why the competition between these companies so, uh, enrich uh, the industry. And uh, for me, I like watching what's happening and uh, uh, try to um, benefit from each and every tool here and there. Yeah, what a time, you guys. What a time, too. So we've talked about uh, a lot of the text generation. Let's talk about some of the asset generation, like making icons or images. Um, Dan, where are you on, on image generation? So my first um, interactions with image generation were with Dali because I could use it with the same account, uh, that I had for ChatGPT, and I'm, I'm not actually a discord user. So 
even though Mid Journey seemed also very promising, I didn't bother to set it up. Um, and recently, um, as a preparation for the conference where I spoke uh, almost two weeks ago, I had to to use um, such an uh, such a tool to generate images and illustrations, and I found PlaygroundAI.com, which uh, is free to use uh, up to a certain point, and uh, you can use it for um, generating icons and even designs for your app. And it has a lot of um, parameters that you can um, you can change, like how much to take into consideration what you're writing, and even taking another image as a reference. So if you have a few icons that you like, you can upload one of those and it will generate similar icons with the same style. So I really liked it. And you have everything on a canvas, like in Figma, and you can export them at very high resolution, which is very important for app development. I, you know, I want to tell you guys, so we'll put this in the show notes too. So the reason, um, I asked Dan to come join us here is because of what he posted. He is very active on Instagram and has an interesting Instagram account for people who are looking for mobile developer content. And he posted about this talk and then I went and watched the talk and it is fascinating. So everybody should go watch the talk. I'm curious about, so using Playground AI or one of these other tools how can you get consistent, like if you're going to use these tools to generate the assets in your app, how can you get them to all look like they go with the same app through the tool? Um, anyone? That's a very important point, yes, because you, you want to have consistency in your app and not have uh, five different styles of assets. And that's that's where that... Um, extra option to add an image as um, as a reference like as a guide for the ai uh, comes to be very helpful because uh, as i just mentioned you can upload an, an image maybe an icon that you already have and then um, you select from i think it's from 0 to 100 how much to take that into consideration and maybe if it's a heart icon for something like favorites you you can ask it to generate a notes icon or a my profile icon but if you set that uh, strength of considering your heart icon quite a lot it will respect the style and it will generate more assets in the same style mina have you tried it have you tried ai tools for image generation and how are you finding them are you finding them useful or um as a discord uh, user since I joined uh, Codeco, I used the first mid-journey. Uh, I tried to make different um, images and different assets. I like how um, you give it that description with different uh, uh, points and um, it can give you multiple options. Um, uh, then after uh, I watched Dan's presentation, I uh, uh, signed up to Playground AI. Actually, it excited me a lot. Uh, so I checked it and uh, I started working a little bit uh, with it. I created um, a logo here and there and checked how uh, you can use uh, an image to create another one uh, as Dan uh, described. Uh, for me, I like both of them. Uh, you can use um, each one for uh, different situations. 
let's say uh, Blade Ground AI, it can be more useful um, to create um, the overall experience of an app, uh, sometimes um, even useful for uh, a logo or an app icons, while Mid Journey um, is more like descriptive scenes and uh, I think uh, I like it more in illustrations and things like this. So um, I believe that uh, each tool can be useful in a different situation. So I'm gonna throw the wrench, uh, the monkey wrench into the machinery here. My spouse is an artist and um, has very strong feelings about image generation on AI. Do any of these tools actually provide the origin images for which it actually generates the finished image? Because one of their concerns as an artist is the consumption of pre-copyrighted art. Actually, what uh, you are talking about is one of the uh, debates that we have right now regarding AI tools. Is the copyright for um, uh, everything, not only images, but even for the data. Um, it's a struggle about uh, the ethics concerning AI. Um, when I'm sharing my data, when I'm sharing my design, uh, should you um, uh, like uh, refer to me later on when you use it or not? Uh, currently, we um, there there isn't uh, any um, specific uh, ethic uh, or ethical rules concerning this one. And uh, when you have like an image uh, or um, created new uh, data, you don't have um, uh, the access to know where exactly these images come from because you have like a big pool of data that it came from. It can um, get from many resources all over the world. Uh, so you don't have exactly the access to uh, that kind of information, uh, but the debate is more about um, what uh, what this uh, data can um, uh, take from my uh, data, what I share. Uh, this is the real debate here. There's no way you can see where it's come from. So if you put your art on, like DeviantArt, okay, I think that was all, you know, everything on there was scraped, right? So it's all mixed together and then thrown back up. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. And I guess that's where the ethical quandary comes is what, what happens to the people at DeviantArt who worked on the originals. Yeah, so um, on my side, yeah, that's a very good point. And, and I had the chance to also train a smaller AI model myself a couple of years ago, not for image generation, but for object detection. And... Uh, as you said, it, you, you have it like the some big sample of data on which the model is trained. And then after the training is done, um, you try it on new images and you see that maybe the detections are correct, but you can't really go back and uh, find out why the detection is correct because uh, it's about all the, tra the training process and all the parameters that were used. In that process so it's fairly impossible to to go back to the source it really is a black box when it comes to how how it works you have your input images and the computer actually teaches itself how to 
compare and understand and contrast and come out with the output. And you, you again, it's, it's just a black box. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think you're totally right that there are open ethical issues, but I think if you if you turn it back, if you leave that to one side and acknowledge, yeah, there are definitely open ethical issues, but it's also for those of us, particularly for people listening who are student devs, indie devs, devs in tiny companies, if we can have help generating assets, oh my gosh, that's a godsend. That is, you know, takes a, a huge bar to entry of oh, making absolutely. apps, you know, and and lowers that. So any tool that helps, you know. Absolutely. I was realizing, thinking about what I would really like, and I don't know if this tool exists, but something that has knowledge of the design language of iOS, okay, and or Flutter or Android, like already knows like what all the standard UI elements are. And then you can say like, give me a wireframe, give me a mock-up for, you know, Okay, like I've got, I'm making a recipe generator. Show me what my ingredient screen looks like. And and it really looks like an iOS screen, you know? Mm. And give me the Swift UI code. Yeah, maybe this is something you can do with the new feature with generating your uh, own GPTs with, uh, with the Plus subscription. Um, I didn't have the chance to play with it yet, but uh, it's definitely on my list to do in the next few days and weeks, because you can, you can kind of build your own assistant specifically for iOS, for Android with knowledge in that area. Yeah. I feel like I haven't tapped into that yet either. I don't know if Jen or Mina or Drew, or if any of you have started building your own GPTs yet, and if so, how? For me, currently, um, uh, as uh, then, I'm uh, exploring it. But um, if you would like to see more, uh, there is a few examples that um, I did a specific chat uh, GPT like for a specific task. Um, let's say there is uh, one called the Research GBT. Um, it's AI research assistant that uh, search a huge pool of papers uh, and can give you a science-based answers. Uh, this is an example of a specific ChatGPT um, engine for a specific purpose. Uh, the same goes with different uh, uh, assistant or AI tools. Um, I think there is one uh, for uh, dating profiles. It can uh, search uh, between Tinder and other dating profiles and um, optimize even your profiles and photos, things like this. Uh, so currently uh, there are um, more um, AI assistant like this that you can check how to do it. And uh, as Dan said, ChatGPT supported the uh, us with uh, a way to do it in uh, a very easy way. I, you know, I don't think that's going to be anything good for the dating world that now AI can uh, clean up your dating profiles across sites. Like, you know, can we move it even, even further from authenticity to know that like, not only did you use this best Photoshop photo of yourself, but now AI has actually given you the photo and the profile. Yeah that's happening right now. My boss at work was had created a GPT to help him with translating strings in Xcode. Cause I think like we had some little 
or maybe not so little change to um, string catalogs in Xcode in the most recent version. And he, we have a product that's localized into 12 languages. And so anytime we change it, it's like a big deal. And so he was using a GPT he'd made for that. So I think there's like a myriad of potential ways we can use that new make your own GPT feature as devs. I saw uh, Rudrak Riam on Twitter X was saying he's got a, a music library that he's written and like he was feeding his own docs for that and made his own GPT to, I don't know, and more quickly answer questions about that library, that API. Let, let's talk about the, uh, the software development life cycle and how we can apply AI at the different stages. Has anybody done this for testing or documentation or debugging? Um, Dan, let's start with you on this one. So at a smaller level, I did it for uh, my presentation from two weeks ago because I built an app from scratch, not even having an idea to actually having the code and an app store description and some doc some documentation for it. So um, it really helped with starting from uh, brainstorming ideas and uh, after deciding on one, um, asking for, because I was using ChatGPT at this stage, um, it doesn't know how to draw wireframes, but I asked for maybe a list of screens and um, features, then chose from there. And of course, went through the design with Playground AI and then to the code. And finally, after having the code like in a almost complete state, um, I also used it for uh, generating an app store description and keywords for the app and uh, writing a couple of unit tests. Mina, have you used uh, AI in the development process? Actually, uh, I'm using it in um, my everyday uh, routine uh, in different ways. Uh, for example, I'm using uh, Wimskill to uh, create flowcharts and mind maps. Uh, one of the um, beautiful things is that it integrates um, an AI tool inside it that I can give it a description and it creates a flowchart or mind map. Um, as we said previously, um, I use Midjourney for uh, creation some assets. Um, like Dan said, uh, ShadGBT sometimes give me uh, ideas or um, a set of screens, how we can uh, do it, how we can navigate from a screen to uh, other one. Um, another tool that uh, integrated AI is Figma. Uh, I like mm. Figma a lot. And uh, uh, what uh, what I love now is um, the dev mode. It, I think it... Um, it's like a few uh, months ago, they just launched it. Uh, you can now um, uh, have a plugins inside Figma. And one of uh, these plugins um, translate your design into a code. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, I, wow. um, I, yes, exactly. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I uh, tried it uh, with Angular. I'm not a front-end developer, uh, and I need to um, to get um, um, a design that I made with Figma to try it uh, to try it on uh, a browser. So uh, I tried this plugin, and uh, I can say it works good. 
it uh, it's not the perfect solution uh but what it does is that it um, it uh, converts the design into a code then uh, i think that's uh, where developer uh, come in place uh you start uh, picking uh, the views and um, uh, choose which view can be um uh useful to uh, use it in multiple uh, situations so you just extract it here and there but if you uh, want just um, the view to uh, be drawn at the same way it has in figma it gives you the code uh, it supports many platforms even android uh, ios um, with even with swift ui um, also, I like using ChatGPT in something that I think it's underestimated a little bit. Uh, I use it uh, mostly in uh, Rubber Duck Debugger. Mm. Uh, actually, um, especially with bugs or um, uh, concerning about um, an issue that I couldn't find exactly what's happening with it in the code. So um, um, uh, I, I just threw the question to ChatGPT and um, uh, it gives multiple options uh, that i can uh, dig uh, more into them uh, it's one of um, the useful features with the uh, especially that i can continue with a conversation that i tried uh, let's say one two three and uh, still the issue here uh, so it gave me another example or another suggestion to do so uh, the rubber ducking with ChatGPT is interesting for me. Um, mostly the, these are the tools that I'm using related to uh, uh, development uh, exactly. I found it useful for manual QA, meaning like not automated, okay? So like we have a personal finance app and I'll say, okay, what's the minimum smoke test I need to do on a new version before we release it? Here's the guide, you know, paste in the guide, like everything it's supposed to do. And, you know, then it'll say, okay, you should check this, 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 and this. This isn't ChatGPT. And then uh, I say, can you give me a sample budget that somebody might put into this if they're like a U.S. retiree? You know, here's the sample budget. Okay, can you create a downloadable CSV file? of actual expenses for this person. And it'll give you the downloadable data. And that, I mean, I think that's groovy, honestly. That's amazing. And you can also use it in code for generating mock data for your previews, for example, in the same manner. So you don't have to manually create objects for, for your previews. Very nice. Yeah, and another thing, I just remembered uh, another use case. It would be, let's say you have to implement um, above average complicated algorithm, maybe to process some data, some arrays in, in the code. And then at least that's how I do it. I try to get the first version that works and then improve it uh, on the readability and code cleanliness side. But then if you get like to a version that works with two, four loops and two if conditions, uh, then you can just uh, ask ChatGPT or another tool to simplify that code or make it more readable, and it will keep the functionality while uh, maybe write it with less code or uh, in a better way for a potential reviewer. This seems like it would be a good point to start going down the line of questioning that I know Jen has too and has thoughts on too. So 
when you're teaching, okay, so both Mina and Jen have been boot camp uh, facilitators, teachers here at Codeco, and Jen is a full-time professor. Um, what should you guys be encouraging students to use this for? And where should you say, like just listening to Dan, so I'm a perpetual learner, not a skilled dev in Swift. And so it's groovy if I could take something that I wrote and say, please simplify it. But really, I feel like probably I should know how to do that without the robot. So what's how, what, how do you get students working with this and where should you caution students, Mina and Jen? How about Mina first? Okay, um, I remember that uh, uh, during uh, one of uh, the boot camps, we already pre I, I presented a presentation about uh, the do's and don'ts uh, to do while uh, using AI tools that later become an article. Um, the, um, I, I was like uh, surprised that uh, many of uh, these students didn't get involved uh, yet with AI tools. But later on, I, um, I saw that uh, they become more involved with it. Um, what, uh, what I encourage regarding uh, boot camps and AI is that um, uh, students shouldn't uh, go with AI first. Um, at least uh, during a bootcamp, you already have uh, like agenda and you have uh, uh, steps that you will take um, until you become an expert or at least you have a basic knowledge about the technology. Uh, what I prefer is that you gain uh, the base experience, whether you're um, learning um, iOS development, Android, whatever you're learning. You have to get or and grasp the basics first before you try to go more with uh, AI tools like ChatGPT or whatever tool you are using, because sometimes uh, you can get an answer. It uh, may be the correct answer or it may be not. But um, um, if you are still struggling with uh, understanding what um, what this language is talking about you wouldn't have um, uh, or, or you wouldn't know where it comes from or even if that answer is right or wrong. Uh, one of the points that I encourage my students to do is that uh, they should evaluate the output from AI tools. That's why they need to, um, to have like awareness first uh, of this language before they can engage more with uh, AI tools. Uh, I, I mentioned that I tried, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, the AI with Figma with Angular, but it, it was just like um, uh, just for tryout, but it's not for a production uh, or, or for learning Angular. But right. if I plan to, uh, to learn Angular, I would start first with the basics, then go to uh, the AI with Figma or um, any way uh, with any AI tools that can uh, show me an example and so on. Uh, that's why we, um, I like to encourage students to use AI tools, but not at first. Jen, what would you say? What are you finding with your students? 
I agree very much that my concern is their problem solving skills. So I find that some students are uh, wanting to use the chat GPT. And I really like the recommendation of not using it first, uh, because one problem with looking at examples, whether they're from chat GPT or Stack Overflow, or even the textbook, um, I one guideline I give students is don't use a line of code if you don't understand what it's doing. Um, mm. And so much of the skill is to learn how to solve the puzzles and to be able to build your problem solving skills. And I don't know another way to build those other than to use them. Um, and it's great to look at examples. So I, uh, I don't want to discourage them, but I do tell them that if you don't understand every line of code that's in your program, then you need to be asking questions and proactively seeking and experimenting with the code until you fully understand it and make sure that you could put, put comments on every step. Um, I also warn them the, about the quality because uh, they might get something really advanced that, you know, it's like checking Stack Overflow or Chat GPT. You might get something that's way overkill because I'll tell them to write an algorithm to find the smallest number. Um, and you can do that with just a while loop and some if statements. Uh, and then what they'll find is something that does like vectors and stores a whole list of numbers. And, you know, so I don't want them to see examples like that when they're not quite at that level. Um, so a lot of times, one way I address it is to provide in-class examples and tell them these are the simple tools that I want you to use. And if you see examples that are beyond these tools, um, we'll get to those later, maybe in computer science two class instead of intro to programming. Um, so I, I also tell students one of my favorite things is write it until you can write it from a blank page. So maybe we oh. looked at the example to get it to work the first time um, and you get it turned in and, you you know, for a grade. Uh, if you didn't really understand it, I encourage them to write it again and then maybe come up with their slightly their own idea and modify it a little bit um, and and solve that problem until you can do it from a blank page, possibly more than one way. Gosh, Jen, you're tough. I don't know. I don't know how all the code in my program work. I use third party libraries and I'll be sure I don't know how to use how to how to write some of those third party libraries. I wish we had time to play the entire interview. But if you'd like to see the interview with all the material, watch YouTube for the full video version. I was thinking this is some phenomenal advice. I will say as somebody learning with ChatGPT, something that it can be very useful for, but you have to be honest okay in your use of it is if it gives you a line of code or you've got a line of code from somewhere else and you're like okay it does work but i don't know why like the the stack overflow experience right cut paste works or change it a little works move on oh no no go back and figure out why so it will tell you it will walk you through line by line but you still need to be like oh okay and then i guess that's when you get out your blank piece of paper and say, you know, start writing and thinking. But what great advice. We have definitely covered a lot of AI tools that are there, tools that are evolving, and a lot of, I think, optimism for the future of, of both AI and, and society as AI grows. I think it's growing organically in a way that is offering a lot of new opportunities. So it will be interesting to see how the... Uh, how the industry and how the ecosystem uh, 
uh, plays out over the next couple of uh, uh, years. Uh, Mina, Dan, I really want to thank you for being on the show this episode. It is, it's been phenomenal. I, I've learned so much from both of you. You can find Dan on Instagram at devlife. Uh, Mina is M underscore Gerges, G-E-R-G-E-S 13 on uh, Twitter X. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it'll always be Twitter for those, those of us who are old. Uh, you can find me as Podcast Drew, that's the R-U, Suze Gupta, S-U-Z-G-U-P-T-A, and of course, Jen.Codes. I could not do this show without Suze or Jen. Thank you both so much for being in this episode. I'm glad that we have multiple co-hosts to keep my head screwed on. Um... We will be bringing more episodes to the feed over the next weeks. Um, Thank you much all for tuning in, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Codeco podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to leave a rating in your favorite podcast app. See you next time.